Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today we are revisiting a conversation with the founders of The Dematerialized, Karina Grant and Marjorie Hernandez. The Dematerialized is a new marketplace for digital fashion, or as they call themselves, a market space. They are pioneering the world of digital style authenticated by blockchain technology. We published this episode earlier this year, and since then, the conversation around digital assets, NFTs, and most notably, the metaverse has just exploded. We have been talking about this at length in our weekly news show on Fridays, and we also featured Karina in our metaverse survey last week online. This is how Karina defines the metaverse in that article. Quote, in simple terms, it's a digital social environment. The advanced version is a persistent parallel virtual world with its own economic system. I think there will be multiple metaverses where we can go and hang out, learn, shop, work and play. And I'm looking forward to more blending of virtual and physical so we don't have to be either or." She also talks about how Facebook's announcement that they are doubling down on the metaverse can be good for the overall awareness. Although many may be discouraged given the fact that, quote, the creative around the launch was like a bad parody, end quote. Karina also talked about the time horizon for the metaverse, saying that she believes that we are 12 to 24 months away from mainstream adoption. You can find that interview on our website, ScandinavianMind.com. So with the backdrop of this current conversation around the metaverse, I thought it would be a good idea to revisit our conversation from earlier this year, where Karina and Marjorie talks about the challenges of reaching out to fashionistas, gamers, and the crypto community at the same time. How NFTs can help brands and businesses build communities, and why good innovation has to be either beautiful or invisible. You're listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Karina Grant and Marjorie Hernandez. Enjoy. All right, so I'm here with Karina Nobbs and Marjorie Hernandez, founders of The Dematerialized. Uh, thank you so guys for speaking to me. Good morning. Good morning. Great talking to you, Conrad. I've been uh, looking forward to this for a long time. I've been obsessed with the idea of digital fashion. Uh, I've been, you know, I felt like my mind has been opened up to the idea of the metaverse just for the past few weeks. And um Obviously, when doing research, I stumbled onto you guys. Um, so, but before we talk about what the dematerialized is, I feel like we need to uh, let's try to open the listeners' minds a little bit. Um, so, if possible, give your definition of what um, digital fashion is and and the potential of the metaverse. Whoever wants to go first. Sure. Karina? I'm quite happy to, to jump in for that one and then uh, Marjorie can we can kind of quite often top and tail so I mean we kind of 
describe digital fashion as a, a computer-generated representation of uh, an accessory or a garment. Um, this um, file, effectively, can be um, utilized in many different environments, not just digital, which is a common misconception. They're, they're, the really exciting stuff is the layering of the digital in a physical world. And I guess to that regard, the, the very exciting uh, part we're in at the moment is that we're just at the, at the very start of this kind of larger metaverse-esque journey where we've seen, for example, in, in the past year that we've spent a lot of time in, in digital spaces in our professional lives and our personal lives. And we are already curating our identities, whether they're just a uh, a circle or a square or however we want ourselves to be perceived and we're migrating now into our avatars that need to be dressed etc as well so yeah we we're the future is very bright for for digital fashion wonderful uh, so let me just go into some of the maybe even more basic because why even use the term fashion uh, so what is fashion and why use the term fashion for something that's uh, purely digital versus something that's physical I think for many people that's the sort of uh, 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 mind shift that needs to happen you know even though fashion can be so many things uh, we still think of it as this physical object right uh, so so why fashion and why fashion in the digital space yeah totally and i think i think it's goes down to i think the topics that karina and i are super passionate about around dematerialization right and how digital fashion represents the absolute dematerialization of an of an industry that has always been very physical right and kind of like that breaking that paradigm that that haptic relationship might be now gone uh, but it still encapsulates kind of like all of the creative power that we have in the fashion industry while opening the doors to this kind of like endless world of possibilities in the digital space and in the metaverse and all of these different ways you can experience and monetize a fashion product. So, so how would you define fashion? Sorry to, to, to stay stick on this subject, but what is fashion? Is it, is it purely identity? Is it, you know, aesthetics? How do you define it? Uh, if you can elaborate, Marjorie. How I define fashion? Well, I think I'm not the right person to ask that question. I think Karina is better suited than me to, to answer a question, but I think, um, like, well, you know, I don't think we could say fashion is a decorative art because it definitely has a, a big part of, of performance and, and and you know use used to it and, and function um, but I do think fashion is basically you know the manifestation of, of a need for for first of all covering yourself and protecting yourself and then also expressing uh, one's identity right and I think in the digital world there is a different needs to, to, to protect yourself and cover yourself and not the same ones like weather related as we have in the real world. But in the, in the digital world, there's also a need uh, for the conflict, that layer of protection and, and, and identification, right? Those of self-expression that I think is very powerful to fashion. And I think, you know, Karina and I, funny enough, we, in, in, the, in the surface, we tend to have very different outputs in optics about the things that <laughs> apparently we like, but actually we tend to like very similar things. And we own, we have all, like a larger rate of products that we own in common. Uh, products are not so common that we both own, but always they get manifested in different ways. So I think that also speaks for one's identity that even if you might have the same product than your partner or friend, 
they still may, you know, the final output is different. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful tool for self-expression. Karina, mm. do you want to add anything to that, to that definition? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, Marjorie. But I guess, I mean, one of the ways that I've always kind of taught what is fashion is kind of exactly looking at those kind of different lenses. So the psychological and the sociological, so the thing about identity, kind of like signaling, the thing about belonging to other people. Um, and then also the kind of, if you add an economic layer to it as well, um, the, again, I guess the signaling or this where we see kind of conspicuous consumption and things, things like that kind of like coming to mind. So, so let's get into uh, uh, what you guys are doing with the dematerialized. You're in beta mode right now, but w what is the concept uh, um, and, and how would you describe it to, to the listeners? Sure. Well, I mean, Marjorie and I bonded, first of all, through um, this notion of dematerialization of, of assets, effectively. It sounds a bit weird to say it like that, but we... We see, um, and the first time we ever had a conversation, um, I guess maybe, maybe it's useful here to say that we met at a circularity conference in, in Paris, and I had a social enterprise which was digital fashion related. Uh, Marjorie and uh, Fabian were presenting Luxo, <clears throat> the blockchain company, and I went up and asked at the end, at this point I did not know what an NFT was, and I said, Marjorie, what what would happen if you put a, a digital garment and you added it to the blockchain? And Marjorie was like, well, let me tell you about NFTs. <laughs> and um, I'm kind of going slightly off topic from, from your question, but that it just blew my mind, basically. I would stay up late at night, like looking at what an NFT is or, or, or can be. Um, I, I was looking at what was happening in the crypto art space in particular and the way that that's obviously exploded in the last little while. And <clears throat> the things that we kind of like bonded over were this belief of dematerialization and particularly within fashion that, that being the next big asset class. Um, the potential for NFTs and particularly because the positive aspects of it really benefit every single player in the marketplace. So it, and we can, I'm sure, dive into that in a, in a little bit. And then the other thing was more... Um, I guess visceral or experiential and it was like we we wanted to create a, a digital environment which was not like every other e-commerce platform so looking at kind of how can we integrate game engine technology how can we integrate augmented reality um, how can we kind of plug into different metaverse environments and things like that to to really create a um, well, we call ourselves also a market space rather than a marketplace um, as a kind of like point of differentiation. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of things like swirling in the mix there. There's a ton ton to unpack there, I think. Uh, but before we go into the definitions uh, of uh, NFTs and, and what you're trying to do, and I really want to and also sorry, maybe one more thing. Sure. <clears throat> One more thing was also we, <clears throat> Marjorie and I both love products. And so we talked about which fashion designers and every person we meet, something I'd love to ask you is which fashion designer of which, or which product or which design would you mo most like to own digitally that you don't own physically? So that was another like heart opener of our conversation. 
wonderful. But take me back to that moment when you guys met. Uh, first of all, uh, a little bit more about your your respective backgrounds and and how that intersected. Because it feels like there was a lot that exploded in that moment that now have led you to where you are right now. Uh, so Marjorie, maybe you can talk a little bit more about your background sure. and the work that you've done with with Luxo. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think uh, the funny thing is when I when we were invited to this conference in Paris, I was a bit like. Not on the news. I was like, okay, we can go, but I was not expecting much to come out of it. And I met Karina, so I think that was my one purpose for the trip was that I was going to meet Karina there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very thankful that I got invited to that conference after all. Um, so yeah, so uh, before Karina and I met, and still now, um, I co-founded Luxo around three years ago with my partner Fabian Vogelsteller with the mission and the vision of bringing blockchain technology outside of the finance world and start, you know, build the tools and applications to power what we call the new creative economies. So basically removing all of the complexity and, you know, the intimidation out of the blockchain, creating the tools and the standards to make it very accessible and basically make the blockchain invisible and beautiful um, for creators, you know, at large to use. So that was pretty much our mission. You know, initially there was a, um, we were pretty focused on the, on the, on the fashion industry. Um, we saw a huge potential in there. We still see it. And, you know, once, you know, kind of like we discovered digital fashion around 2018, we were like, this is it. This is like one of the most amazing things. Uh, we will, one of the most amazing digital transformations we will see in our lifetime. And we definitely, and me particularly, really wanted to be an active participant, not only from creating the tools and, and the, the technological pieces that will enable people to build different applications and you know use the blockchain and all of that, um, but also from a more like active role. So when Karina and I met um, at this conference, and just as a bit more of background, uh, my first degree was in architecture, uh, which people always find a bit surprising. Um, then my second degree was in media art and design here in Germany. That's what Fabian and I met. And after that, I work in several agencies doing brand experience and brand strategy. And then I moved into consultancy and I was leading the digital innovation lab for Ernst Young in the German speaking region. Um, and simultaneously to that, Fabian and I, we became increasingly more interested and passionate about blockchain technology in general from different areas of, of, of interest, from investment to technology to, to actually building. And then when I was in Ernst & Young, I was taking on most of the clients who wanted to do something with blockchain, like in 2015, which is like in blockchain years, ages, ages ago. Um, so, so yeah, then all of a sudden we were in this blockchain kind of like world and, you know, for us it was very clear that there was, a, we needed better tools, we needed better standards to actually allow creators and, you know, regular developers to actually build with it. And that was our, our mission with Luxo. And when Karina and I met in this conference, we kind of like, she was talking about, she said that she's doing this pop-up store for digital fashion. And I almost got jealous in that second. I was like, I wish I was making a pop-up store for digital fashion. Like I thought it was so brilliant and it was so amazingly executed. And I was like, oh my God, she's into something. She's so much up to something. And she was, you know, she was 
basically driving this this initiative with whole second mostly all on her own and i was so impressed about the amount of work and outcome that she was producing so i was like she's into something so we bonded a lot we stay in touch and then we met i was in london visiting well while karina was still living there and you know we had a coffee and a conversation and we continue discussing how like our separate ideas and perspective on digital fashion and you know you, we kind of like met in this point where we started talking about dematerialization about how we both see in the same way and how you know we're incredibly passionate about about what will happen with the digital fashion how will actually the industry look like one is actually an industry and once you know there's actually you know, market capitalization and there's actually, you know, ways of utility and, and you know, and, and all of that. So, yeah, we decided to, like, be hands-on and, and uh, be one of those group of people who are shaping the industry and bring, bring you know, the dematerialized to life and build our market space. So, yeah. And I think as well the, the, the deal breaker was, yeah, no, a brilliant answer and thank you for the, 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 the nice things, but um, I was like, I've already checked and the dematerialized.com, the domain, it, I've, like it's available. And that was when you were like, let's do it. Let's just do yeah. it. <laughs> like when that .com is available, it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's like, we have it's to a do sign. It. It's a sign of the universe. <laughs> so what, what was the first step then? What, what, what was the first thing you wanted to create with the dematerialized? Is, is it, was it to create the experience of the market space or was it to find... Um, the first designers to sell on it? Uh, what was the, the first steps, uh, Karina? Yeah, it was, I mean, as with every startup, we were hugely ambitious at the beginning. They, they, like our, we were like, okay, we're going to do uh, this, then we're going to do this. And we, we contacted our dream brands, first of all, and our, our dream brands also said yes to the, the meetings with us initially. And so we were like, Oh wow! Okay, which was also another external sign that we we knew that we were onto something interesting because these uh, yeah inimitable brands were agreeing to kind of like meetings with us about something that was still kind of like very nascent at that time. Um, but I guess yeah, it, w it was the platform that came first because we were thinking about um, my background as as a visual merchandiser initially, and then as an educator, and then as a as a strategist. Um, so kind of fusing all of those things together, I know that um, like a critical success factor when you're trying to move adoption from niche to mainstream is the user experience um, and uh, yeah, the fluidity of that. And at Dematerialized, we're, we're talking to kind of like three quite diverse audiences. So we speak to fashionistas because the core product is fashionistas. We are very interested in engaging with gamers because we feel that there are gamers who want branded fashion goods which aren't available in games yet and gamers already they already get the value of digital fashion they already get the value of virtual goods so there's a there's not a changed behavior that needs to take place there uh, but they are a very discerning community and they're not an homo a homogenous group either. Uh, and then the, the third community that we're talking to is the crypto community, um, who are um, also because of our um, alliance with Luxo are already a massive community of dematerialized because they're excited to see dematerialized being built on the on the Luxo blockchain and looking at all the different applications that we're able to do with it already. So yeah, there was kind of two main parts. One part was 
how do we make a different differential experience in the front end? So for instance, like I said, we use game engine technology and a programmable space there so that when you first arrive on the site, you, you don't arrive in a kind of like traditional grid format. You arrive in what looks a little bit like a gallery. You're maybe like not quite sure how to behave in it, but you can click on things. You can kind of like move around. And then when you get to the product page, we use, as I mentioned, augmented reality on the product page so you can take the piece into your own environment and inspectify the digital kind of craft of it. Um, and then a really important part of us, uh, our, our mission is around access. Um, and so in terms of payment, we, are, we enable people to pay by crypto um, and by regular kind of fiat currency with Apple Pay, Google Pay, um, and credit and debit etc so widening up that audience because at the moment it's a relatively small proportion of fashionistas that have crypto wallets um as yet but the exciting news is that it's, it's almost kind of like doubling on a on a kind of like monthly basis and then after you've purchased our kind of like next big piece was around how do we facilitate new post-purchase utilities so one of the biggest criticisms of digital fashion is so what you've got a digital asset, what can you actually do with it? So we have, we're have we working specifically around four kind of like main um, post-purchase utilities. So the first is around, and it links back to your question about the purpose of fashion, and it's around showcasing your asset. So just as we might have collected sticker books when we were younger, or I don't know, antiques of a different variety, as humans, we like to collect things. And not only that, but we like to show the things we've collected as a badge of honor. I mean, if you just look at the kind of sneakerheads, kind of like culture and, and that type of thing. So showcasing is one. The second one, which the fashionistas in particular are, are super passionate about is the wearability. So for that, we um, are working and kind of testing lots of different um, machine learning APIs. We're using and testing lots of different virtual try-ons with augmented reality as well to figure out what's the best um, solution um, that has a streamlined kind of like user journey, if that makes sense. The next one is around portability. And so portability into kind of traditional games, which is tricky because quite often they're closed environments that you need to seduce the games publishers and have a kind of like um, a, a kind of partnership deal with. And then also we have this kind of growing burgeoning area of metaverses and this kind of race to who's going to build the metaverse that's going to have the most traction. And so at the moment, um, we are assets, you can port them directly into Sansar in, in VR chat. And we use these, uh, these platforms specifically because they're open source. Uh, but at the moment, again, we've, we've had, had various different conversations with many different games publishers. And we're also closely monitoring the, the metaverse space to look at particularly for fashion consumers and obviously music and art and culture, those kind of ones that kind of are enmeshed together, where, where is there starting to be traction? And then uh, the last category is around uh, the tradeability. Uh, and in Q4 this year, we'll launch our consumer to consumer trading platform, which is super important um, within the NFT space. Uh, also because of the um, kind of royalty feature that as with decentralization, this notion that as a creator, you can be rewarded in a lifetime, perhaps even once you're, you're dead and buried for what you've created kind of previously. So yeah, you can see there that we can, our ambitions, as I said, were, were and still are large. <laughs> 
Wow, you you really feel like you really covered every every aspect of it there, and um, I think for for some people, I think sort of gaming it, it could be one entrance. Certainly for me, uh, in understanding uh, the use cases, I, I always use my daughter. She's ten years old, as an example. Uh, she you know she does not want to spend her allowance on physical clothes. Rather, she wants, you know, uh, Robux to buy stuff in her Roblox uh, um, environment. Uh, I will never forget the uh, moment where she was yelling uh, at me from her room, asking, "Dad, can you come here? Do you think I should use? Uh, do you think I should use this cap?" And when I got into the room, she was not wearing a cap. Rather, she was holding her phone up to me and showing me her avatar. And this, I think this is a moment I will never forget in my entire life because she was not saying, do you think my avatar should wear this cap? She was saying, do you think I should wear this cap? And for her, you know, um, uh, where she spent sometimes most of her time certain weeks uh, with her friends is within these environments. Uh, but I think sort of as a grown-up, uh, you tend to, uh, if not dismiss it, but just you know subcategorize that as that's just gaming, that's just play. So um, then we come to the notion of the metaverse, which is to me I kind of categorize it as the, the grown-up version of gaming, or or gaming for or or the gaming you know universe for for people who are not into gaming, meaning digital spaces where we can interact have conferences uh you know uh, uh you know consume sports events or or entertainment or i just you know we're, we're so much in the beginning of of the potential of this and as you mentioned Karina, perhaps this year of being on zoom and teams could be the starting point of of us just realizing that digital spaces is something that's natural uh to us but just sticking on the metaverse for a moment, um, where do you what what do you see uh, the potential in the near term, and how do you how do you describe the metaverse for someone who doesn't know what it is? Uh, maybe Marjorie, you want to take this one, or and Marjorie's also got a funny Roblox story she might share with you. Yeah, I have <laughs> Wonderful. a very good Roblox story. Karina and I, we also my son is also part of our very close uh, research group for Karina and I. He's also ten, <laughs> as your daughter is. Um, and he's very passionate about, I mean, he, for, about gaming in general and programming and well, he's our kid, so what do you expect? But um, <laughs> he, Karina, I sent her, I was trying to record him, but I was too slow. He was screaming with everything he has with his friends online, the countdown for the drop of the Gucci handbag or the pop, whatever it was called. They were screaming, these are all boys, right? They're screaming because they calm down for this handbag. And then the handbag, you know, drops. And because we have the fastest internet on all Berlin and his computer is like this thing, he got it super fast. So he got it within 10 seconds. And he's like screaming out of excitement wow. that he got this so fast. Um, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I hear him talking with his friends. I pick him up at school, like I think it was three years ago now. And he was talking about this, this concert, or two years ago, about this concert in, in Fortnite. And then a group of kids passed by and they say, we were also there. And it was for me very similar to your experience, like this, we were also there. It's not like, oh, I also saw it. It's a very different thing for saying, I also saw that. It's like, no, I was also there. So I think for those guys, there is a, this line is very blur. I think we are much older and we see this almost like as intellectuals, like we are observing and understanding. 
but I don't think we really, really, really experience it and feel it in the way these guys feel it. Because for them, this is part of like built environment. Like this is part of like, you have doors and buildings and cars and you have this environment. It's just as natural as the rest of the world it is for us. So I think the metaverse, you know, obviously right now, back to your question, you know, obviously it's very associated with gaming and game culture. And I think it's like what these two lines are kind of like merging in which computer power and, you know, our internet speed is coming to a point that is allowing for our interfaces to move away from this directional kind of thing to this dimensional space. So they start coming really close to the gaming world. So all of a sudden you start feeling or we are transitioning to a space that most of our online experience or of our digital experiences or our virtual experiences, they're coming closer to gaming. So it's like, I think they will converge, right? And it's not necessarily, I go into this game and then I go out of this game. It's like, I'm in this constant, like in and out of different experiences in the spiritual space that is just getting more and more immersive because of the reasons I mentioned before. So I think the metaverse is just going to be the internet. In my opinion, it's not a game. It's not like one computer company is going to make the metaverse. I think it's just the internet is going to be the metaverse. It's just, it's going to become hyper immersive and then you're going to be there at all times and it's everywhere all the time. This is where my brain start boiling when I think about it. If you know, and, and people are talking about the web. Uh, <laughs> my one too. <laughs> where people are talking about the web 3.0, and this is like the next generation, and that we actually have an an internet sized uh, you know opportunity or an internet sized business opportunity within these worlds. So, if you know, if do you have a sense of which player or which players will become or will be the tipping point? I mean, there are there are reports that Facebook are spending like, you know, ten thousand employees working on their a- AR uh, uh, equipment. Do you have a sense of of you know? Because in my mind, there, there's we haven't seen the tipping point yet. The way sort of the iPhone was the tipping point for for the the smartphone and and, and that type of uh, app economy. Um, who do you think is gonna is gonna deliver this tipping point? Uh, if if not you guys, I mean, I I don't know actually. My, my yeah, the the jury's kind of like out for me, and I guess maybe for yeah, for to add to what Marjorie said, I think um, there's going to be mul- multiple the internet as the metaverse or these kind of multiple places where where you can go. Um, I think it will like. It's maybe a bit cliched, but I think the ones that will win out will be the ones that will be authentic and the ones that will be community-based rather than um, uh, commerce-based. I think the community has to come first. And then, I mean, just as we've seen with social media, I suppose. And then as the as the um, commerce creeps in, then the communities kind of go elsewhere. So it'll be really interested to see if a similar pattern ha- happens like that with the, with the metaverses. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That that's my and I, Mar- Marjorie and I talk a lot, and um, we're not the first to kind of like mention it. But like, good technology and good innovation has to be either beautiful or invisible. And we're trying to do both with the dematerialized uh, by the nature of what it says. And it's not it's not easy. But I think those those are kind of also critical in this kind of like metaverse discussion too. Right. 
And I think I think it will be I don't think it will be like one player that will like kind of like create a tipping point. I think it will be like a collective effort. Obviously I think it will be very driven by hardware. Whoever come with that hardware piece that will kill the iPhone and you know will bring that next that next level of experience. So I think it will be very hardware driven. But again, like just like the Apple Store, right? Like it's just happening because of all of these creators and all of these people creating amaz- amazing content, right? And once again, you know, I'm back to one of the reasons why we started to dematerialize is because we also understood that if we are buying a digital good, you want to actually own that digital good. And that's at this point in time only power through blockchain technology. So I think once we start like kind of like transitioning to the space that like the metaverse is everywhere. So it's just basically the internet is like very immersed uh, almost 24 seven. Like the fact of like, I need to own my stuff in there. The money that I'm spending is real. So I actually need to own my stuff. And then when it comes down to your identity and your profile, etc., the identity of your, of your avatars and all of that stuff, it's like very important who, in which hands is that ownership. So I think that's one of the, you know, one of the key factors that is driving the dematerialized. That it's not only about giving you access to a digital garment that you can Photoshop into your body and feel good about it, but it's actually about owning a digital asset that you can own and experience in, that, in many different ways. Why is NFTs important in this context and, and how do you work with it, with the, the dematerialized? Yeah. So an NFT is nothing but just the identity of a digital good. Right, that is undivisible, right? It's, it's just it stands one unit, it stands for one product, just like in the real life, right? Like money is, uh, fungi- uh, is, fungi- is fungible, yes, and then, the, you know, for example, our car is not fungible. Like it would be really odd to start cutting you know, Teslas and Porsches into pieces in order to share them, right? So uh, there's different ways you share those assets. So basically, it's just having that identity of a product that is transactable, that's transactional, that you can own, you have, you know who issue it. So that's like the, the first part is about like tokens need to be issued by somebody. So those NFTs have to have an author, an issuer, and you know, our strong belief, it has to be issued by its creator. So it's being issued by the creator, and then that issuer creates the identity, creates the token, and then it gets, you know, sent to whatever marketplace for sale, and then the ownership continues to transact, etc. So basically, the NFT is just a, a medium to own a digital good, right? So Karina and I we always make an argument: there's not such a thing as NFT art, or there's not such a thing as NFT fashion. It's just, you know, assets that exist, and now, you know, through this medium, they become they become assets, right? So it's a way to actually make a good transaction. So it's a, a very, it's the easiest way to create a digital economy. I believe it's just you create, you know, uh, an identity on chain and then all of a sudden you open the gates for, for many other things to happen. Karina, do you want to add to that? Because uh, I, th- I think, um, you know, just as you said, there, there's no such thing as a sort of a textile fashion and the way, so, so perhaps there's no such thing as an NFT fashion or NFT style. Um, but in, in terms of, of uh, uh, selling f- uh, fashion, it, it, in, in your platform, is everything mm. NFTs or is there, is there a, you know, any type of fashion you can buy that's not NFTs? No, our, our kind of point of differentiation for all the reasons that I guess Marjorie explained is that 
we believe that every piece that we sell on our market space should should be an NFT and should have that unique identity so that throughout its lifetime, um, the ownership, the authorship, the provenance, the sovereignty, all these types of things which are aligned with um, decentralization, um, just they afford, I think the reason that I fell in love with the notion of NFTs once I actually digested what it is and I still haven't managed to nail my my kind of like 15 second sentence of what it is yet is just that it it enables the creator economy I think from a consumer perspective it de-risks your purchase and we something I often talk about in interviews is we haven't seen something yet particularly by a luxury brands where they use something which is an nft and then they layer it with extended reality and you can actually meet or like have a conversation with the person who created the like the craft around uh, that particular piece like the technology is there we can do it i kind of like almost get frustrated by why people aren't doing it yet so I guess things like that come into it. I, I think the other thing, which again describes the the kind of nascent and like I'm I get most excited about the beginning of things. So does Marjorie. Marjorie likes like building things and the what NF we haven't seen the full potential of what NFTs can do. So we've seen little pockets of it in terms of things like reactivity to environments, breedability that Crypto Kitties were doing um, a few years ago. Um, I think there's lots of interesting experiments um, uh, that are kind of happening at the moment. Uh, again, not necessarily in fashion, but in terms of like layered ownership. And again, those kind of different kind of dis distributed. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like ownership kind of things that were that I think. I mean, there's a lot of articles coming out already about. Um, perhaps uh, creators who are in geographical locations who are working in, I don't know, uh, situations or economies which have historically not been, not like oppressed them basically. Things like digital fashion and the digital economy and NFTs offer them offer them a, a new way to generate income, which is just for them. And, and, and that I think is also super exciting. The, I think the the and also the backlash that we've already had about NFTs um, in terms of the the questions around um, the environmental impact and the constant kind of issues that people kind of like push back about cryptocurrency and decentralization. I mean, it's fear based because they don't want to see a new system coming into place that could be better than the one that was there before. And I guess that's another reason that like on a, on a deeper, more philosophical layer, that's why I believe NFTs are, are not a hype. They're, they're here for the long term and they, they really will change the nature of uh, ownership. Yeah, I, I agree to that. And and one thing that I see a huge potential in when it comes to NFTs is, is the kind of the ability to layer the asset or, or, or um, include many different layers of content or activities or, or even, um, you know, invites to events and stuff like that into the NFT. And I think fashion has this, this is enormous opportunity that I hear very little talk about. And so, for instance, you buy a T-shirt, you get access to, uh, you know, a launch party for that designer, or you get access to, you know, behind the scenes content somehow, or, 
you get uh, you know whatever access to some kind of community where you can speak to other people who has this asset as well um, how, do you work with this at all do you instruct the brands or designers you talk to about you know finding different layers so it's not just about the sort of the designed piece of garment even though it's digital it could be so much more in, in my mind at least the, the way I've understood it yeah yeah, totally. And this is something that we explore. We just have to be sure not to blow their minds at the first meeting. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's <laughs> so true. Um, I mean, we explore, we, we explore this into detail in our white paper for Luxo a couple of years ago about the, the opportunities and the possibilities that opens once you start identifying people and things on the blockchain, right? And I think, you know, we have to remember that NFT is just kind of like a, a word, right? But the actual meaning behind it is that all of the sudden these sad assets are little smart contracts and little smart contracts are little computer programs. And so they all of the sudden you have an asset that acts like a little computer program that can do things. So it's not a static object, right? It's not something that you buy and it's unchanged for the future. It's a it's a it's an asset that will that you know they can potentially change, can record information, can store data, can give you rights, can give you a bunch of can give you access, and you know, and those rights can not necessarily are associated to the owner of the NFT, but those rights are within the NFT. Right, and I think, for example, it's really funny with Tesla. I was thinking about it. This is like this is definitely Tesla is behaving like an NFT. Back then, if you will buy a Tesla, you will have this never-ending charging for free uh, in the superchargers. And then, but you didn't get it as a user. The car had it. So if you will sell the car, that will go away with the car, right? It's kind of like the rights for the charging was within the car, not within the buyer, which I think kind of sucks. But you know, it's it's the same, right? So you can give rights to users based or to an object based on, on whatever given rule. So you can also start identifying like the addresses and the profile, their own specific array of NFTs and that specific array of assets. All of a the sudden, they enter a new category, and a new a new tier, and access to other certain levels of like experiences or information or invitations, etc. So all of a sudden, we have like a programmable asset, and I think that's the, the most interesting thing. Like. We, right now, fashion products are very static. They just de degrade, degrade with time. They just get older and less pretty. And you know, maybe they get more valuable if it's like a Birkin bag or something. Um, but you know, with digital goods, it's quite the opposite. They can become better and better and better with time. So. No, I just, I just did a quick thing that I really believe that NFTs are potentially, like a way cooler loyalty card if we think how much like loyalty cards are terrible and the people brands complain about consumers not being loyalty uh, driven anymore i think that an uh, the kind of nftization could be a way uh, just for all the reasons you said unlocking uh, showing that connoisseurship uh, being part of a community um and i think again we that we haven't seen many people kind of embrace it for that as yet no in these types of conversations, you easily get into, uh, you know, there's a lot of definitions, a, a lot of concepts to unpack and, and learn about. Um, but I'm curious, on a more practical level, for anyone, I think both as a user uh, and as a brand, 
uh, or, or a person who wants to engage with this, where to start? How do you get into this? What's what's the first steps you can take? Uh, I, I signed up to the Dematerialized. I haven't gotten my access yet, so uh, maybe th- I'm sure yeah. that's one start. But but um... yeah, we'd love everybody to to start with us. So visit our website, uh, thedematerialized.com. Visit our social media. Sign up for our. Um, uh, newsletter and kind of beta access code and very shortly we'll also be opening up our discord community as well and then the other thing that I would say is uh, the thing that had a first penny dropping moment for me is when I purchased my first um, digital goods or, or if you purchase a, a first piece of crypto art I think um, or I shouldn't say crypto art I should say art uh, which is an NFT um, but I think it's doing that process themselves and in fact a lot of the brands that we talk to we kind of like force them to do that experience as well because it's not until you do it for the first time pardon my expression that you kind of you kind of like get a little bit of a high or you figure out is this for me is it not for me so that's definitely something that I would recommend and if you do we if you do want to do that with us we do have a number of uh, really exciting drops coming up over the summer roughly about kind of like one every three or four weeks so yeah we'd love you to have that experience with us and give us your feedback wonderful and and as a brand if, if there are fashion designers out there or brands that want to engage what, what do you recommend they do uh, you know apart from learning about it of course but what are, what are some of the first steps uh, uh, you know if you want to sell on the materials what do you do yeah, again, we're, we're going to be opening up a space for creators and we define creators as independent kind of designers as well as uh, perhaps more established brands. So we'll have a, a specific kind of like pathway and kind of journey on our on our site soon that um, we'll kind of like show people and kind of like explain the user journey, exp- explain the kind of process behind it. From our kind of roadmap perspective, we have strategic takeovers of the site um, over the summer. And then um, in the autumn, that's when we'll be launching our open beta version of the platform, which will have a curated mix of um, very, very exciting brands, creators at all different levels of the marketplace. And then um, early next year, that's when we will then open up uh, another stage kind of like further um, and kind of again, try to democratize this. But we believe that curation is so, so important for that kind of like hand-holding experience uh, in the instance because as we said before digital fashion blows some people's mind when you say digital fashion plus the blockchain equals nfts they're like whoa so yeah i think we have to go slowly slowly but with the the best product and the best experience wonderful marjorie do you want to add anything to uh, there are obviously exciting days uh, ahead here uh, is there anything else you are particularly excited about yeah. in the next uh, few months Well, I'm excited about so many things, but I think, yeah, as Karina said, we have a couple of drops coming up and, you know, I think, um, yeah, what you were saying about the opportunities for, for fashion in, at large or what Karina was saying about like creators in, you know, in different geographical, you know, locations and demographics, etc. I think, you know, part of like what the transformation around blockchain and the internet and so on have brought this kind of like democratization of access. And the beautiful thing of the blockchain is that it's completely agnostic to any government and any, you know, it doesn't understand boundaries as much as regulators really try to force it in, it won't happen. Um, so, you know, Karin and I were form really strong believers that NFTs and basically digital 
you know, digital assets and the ability of creating and being your own manufacturer and your own, you know, in control of your creation and being able to go to market, you know, it will bring a dramatic shift, you know, of power in the industry. And then we really believe, you know, the NFTs will do for goods something very similar what social media did for content creators, where a lot of the sudden the most important content creators were not, you know, the established publishers, but all of a sudden we have this group of people who just came from nowhere and took over. And then I think we will have a very similar kind of like, yeah, power shift in, in the industry from a creator's perspective. And I'm, I'm very excited about that and I'm pretty sure those guys are going to be very young. I think we're going to have like superstar designers who are like 13 years old, um, creating the sexiest and most you know exciting uh, products and digital drops. And it's just because it's powered through technology, right? And that's one of the, you know, our mission with the Dematerialize is to create that pipeline. You say, okay, I'm a creator. I love using this 3D program. I love doing things. How can I take kind of like what I'm doing on my own and bring it into the market and to a larger audience and give it an utility. So basically by entering kind of like our pipeline, our digital supply chain and the dematerialize, you know, we will enable practically anyone um, to become, you know, uh, a digital creator. Anyone can become a digital creator. Uh, exciting days ahead. I feel I can talk about this forever. Uh, Karina Nobbs, Marjorie Hernandez, founders of the Dematerialized, speaking to me from Ibiza and uh, Berlin, respectively. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Conrad. Amazing questions. Yeah, amazing, Conrad. That was a great start of the day, I think. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.